Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm excited about today's concept. Um, I'm actually not thrilled about it, but it's, it's very fascinating to me. And that is that as the baby boomers are aging, and as you know, we are the fastest-growing population, there are some things that are happening because of that that are great and not so great. And one of them is that the divorce rate is soaring for those over 50, Do the aging of the baby boomer generation, gray divorces are spiraling. One out of every four divorces are people over the age of 50. And in 2010, there were over 643,000 divorces. By 2030, this number will arise to approximately 830,000. This startling rise in the dissolution of marriages is alarming, and it should be a wake-up call to our leaders to address this problem. And my guest today is the author of the brand new book, Gray Divorce, What We Lose and Gain from Midlife Splits. My guest is Jocelyn Elise Crowley. She is a professor of public policy at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. She's the author of The Politics of Child Support in America, Defiant Dads, Fathers, Rights, Activists in America, and Mothers Unite, Organizing for Workplace Flexibility and the Transformation of family life. And today we're talking about, as I said, her brand new book, Gray Divorce, What We Lose and Gain from Midlife Splits. Welcome, Jocelyn. So first question, you know, this gray divorce phenomenon is happening all across our country. Yes. What is a gray divorce and how common is it? A gray divorce is simply a divorce where one member of the couple is age 50 or older, uh, and it's becoming a lot more common. So over the United States and over all population groups, the, the divorce rate has actually been stabilizing somewhat over the past couple of decades. But mm. interestingly enough, the gray divorce rate has been rising. So over the past two, two decades, it has actually doubled. So what we have now actually is that one out of every four divorces is gray, as you mentioned in the introduction, and that's a really large number of people going through this process. Yeah. Why, what are the factors driving this explosion in the number of gray divorces? Well, first of all, we have the, simply the aging of the baby boomer generation. So in 2010, there were approximately 99 million Americans age 50 and older. By 2050, that will actually rise to over 160 million Americans age mm. 50 or older. So simply the, the growth of that population group is actually going to drive the divorce rate. There's also increased life expectancy. So in 1950, the average man could expect to live to be about 66 years old and the average woman 71 years old. Now for men, it's 76 years old and women 81 years old. So simply mm-hmm. with longer lifespans, that increases the, chance, the chances that a couple will experience a great divorce. But, also, but what are the reasons? Have... I mean, what are the reasons? Is it, and let me ask you a few things. Is it one, 
you know, they've, they've gone through, they, they weren't happy to begin with, but they stayed with the kids. The kids are now grown. They're both economically secure, and they really want to explore their life and live it now to the fullest. Is that a major reason or not necessarily? Not necessarily. You know, when I started out this project and I spoke to 80 people who had gone through a great divorce, 40 men and mm-hmm. 40 women, I initially thought that, that that growing apart, you know, I want to live my life to the fullest, right. would be the primary reason for divorce because these were the baby, this is the baby boomer generation. Right. And they grew up in the 1960s and came of age uh, at a time when self-fulfillment and self-development were really key values. Um, but when I actually did this research, I found, found out that while growing apart was a common reason for divorce, it, it really, um, the traditional reasons for divorce were really more important for this population group. So there Which were is? several reasons that men and women talked about in terms of getting divorced, and then there were some differences by sex as well. So what were they? So for men and women, um, in addition to growing apart, um, men and women both talked about adultery. So for example, one of my um, interviewees told me that she reached into her husband's jacket and found a hotel receipt from a local hotel at a certain date and time, and she knew she wasn't there with him at the time. So adultery was common. Uh, The other one that men and women both mentioned were mental health issues of their spouses. Now, sometimes this was diagnosed by a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but other times it was simply the partner thinking that their um, Mm -hmm. spouse had a mental illness. Mm. Uh, And then there were very strong gender differences as well. So for men, they often complained about the ways in which things were being done in their household. So they said... I don't like the way our finances are being ma- managed. So one man told me in his interview that he didn't like getting the credit card bill every month and seeing $1,000 for a purse um, b- bought by his wife. You know, this was a surprise. It cost him a lot of stress and so forth. Men also talked about kind of lingering resentment. Um, now, you remember this population is older, so most of their children are going to be adults, but they would have lingering resentment over the ways in which their children were disciplined while they were together. So they mm. would have wanted stronger discipline in their families, whereas their wives wanted more relaxed standards mm. for discipline. And then the women. The women also had very distinct reasons. Um, the first set of reasons that women talked about related to addictions. So they were very, uh, very much harmed by what they viewed as their husband's addiction, with addictions, whether they be to pornography, alcohol, or drugs. Um, one woman told me that she suspected that her husband was gay and that when she went on the computer, all she saw was this gay pornography, and that they went mm-hmm. out, they, they sought out therapy, um, and then the husband ultimately defined himself as gay, and then they ultimately split up. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the women talked a lot about verbal and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. So these were really extreme and scary 
examples that they gave me. For example, a woman entered a marriage uh, with children from a previous marriage, and her new husband was so controlling that she had a daughter who was slightly overweight, and he ultimately ended up padlocking the refrigerator so this daughter wouldn't be able Mm. to get food out of the refrigerator. And at that point, the woman said, I'm done, I'm out of here, my children Mm -hmm. are most important to me, not this marriage. All right, so Jocelyn, I have a question about this. I mean, all these things you mentioned can happen in any stage of marriage. Yeah. And they've happened for years. I mean, these things are not new. People don't no. communicate well, so then they cheat or they get addicted because they're not, you know, whatever. They're, they're not really working together in that way for whatever happens. And so I guess the question is, do you think this is happening now because now women are more liberated, men are more, it's freer, we can do more things, whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, people stayed in these situations. They yeah, just stayed. And they, they grinned and they bared it. They stayed. And, and I would like to just, you know, emphasize that, you know, when I was growing up, I'm in my 40s now, but when I was growing up, my grandparents were married for 68 years. And they fought like crazy about all of these things. But never once did I hear them bring up the option of a divorce. They just kind of got through it. And there was this idea that they had mutual responsibility to one another, mutual obligations to one another, and just divorce was off the table. I think that there, over time, you know, polling data has showed that across the United States, Americans just are a lot more accepting of divorce. It just has so much less of a stigma that it used to have that I think that that is propelling these couples after the age of 50 to say, hey, I've got a lot more life to live, and if I'm not happy, I'm going to exit this marriage. I think that, and I think the other thing, too, is that with the Me Too movement and with, uh, you know, people becoming more aware and more um, taking care of themselves more, they're less likely to take the abuse that they would have before. Would you agree with that? I think so. Um, one of the most interesting findings is, is that, however, women are somewhat economically um, shaken by this great divorce in a way that mm-hmm. men aren't. So although they have increased independence, they've been working more over their lifetimes, you know, a great divorce is a real challenge to them economically. So they have to weigh the pros and cons of whether staying in the marriage is worth it for the economic security um, versus leaving the marriage, perhaps becoming happier emotionally, but being economically less stable. Hmm. Is that what you call a divorce penalty, or is it different yes. for men, the divorce penalty, than it is for women? Yeah. And explain yes. that. It, yeah. So in the book, I talk about two divorce penalties. The first is this economic grade divorce penalty, and that's the penalty that I found was experienced by women in, in my research. And this is primarily due to the fact that women um, usually take time off from, from the workforce to, to have right. children, to raise them. Uh, maybe they'll go back part-time. But during those child-rearing uh, ages, they are less likely to be contributing to their savings accounts, their retirement accounts if they have them, and to their Social Security accounts. So once they return to paid work, they're not going to be making as much money as their male counterparts. So Mm -hmm. if there is a great divorce, all of a sudden they look at what they have in their bank accounts and they realize that perhaps this is going to be a struggle. So Mm -hmm. for some of the women, they talked a lot about being scared 
having to mm-hmm. rely on, in fact, their parents for economic help. So mm-hmm. these would be women in their 50s looking to their parents in their 70s and 80s to write them a check every year to remain economically yeah. you know, above water. Yeah. Um, they talked a, little, a lot about becoming, um, I guess, more frugal as a way to manage this. And a lot of them talked about the need to work for the rest of their lives in order to sustain themselves. Mm. Men, on the other hand... Yeah, what was the men? I was interested about the men, too. That's fascinating. Yeah. Right. So, you know, men don't leave a great divorce unscathed either. either. While they're economically more more secure, they experience what I call a social great divorce penalty. And this happens because while they're married to their wives, their wives are often their social Social. uh, calendar minders, right? Right. The wives are the ones who set up family meetings, family dinners, um, outings with other couples, and so forth. So that when the men experience a gray divorce, all of a sudden their social calendar goes to zero. Um, A lot of their friends and couple friends tend to side with the wives. And one of the most disturbing things for the men that I talked uh, to related to their relationship with their adult children. Oftentimes, Mm. these adult children sided with their wives after the divorce. And this could Mm. be due to a variety of reasons. Uh, Perhaps their wives were the ones who were doing a lot more of the child rearing when the children were growing up, so the men didn't have as close relationships uh, Mm. to the children as did their wives. But afterwards, you know, the men were left very, very much alone. And and that was very sad to hear. All right. We're going to take a break on that note, Jocelyn. And when we come back, we're going to talk, um, you know, about remarriage. You know, the men having, saying that a lot of the men didn't have the kind of the social skills that their wife had and might have experienced loneliness after divorce. That's their penalty. Did they want to remarry? And did the wives want to remarry for economic security or for... Uh, you know, companionship. So we're going to talk about that in terms of gray divorce. My guest is Jocelyn Elise Crowley. Her new book is Gray Divorce, What We Lose and Gain from Midlife Splits. And Jocelyn Elise Crowley is a professor of public policy at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to be back more talking more about gray divorce, which is very prevalent now, right here on the Patricia Raskin Show on Voice America, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. 
you can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready for a rockin' good time every weekend on the Lester Spate Show. Even if you don't think you know Lester, try again. Whether you know him from his life in professional sports, numerous movie and TV appearances, award-winning Super Bowl commercial, or from Xbox 360 games, he's here to entertain and engage you in conversation. Lester is ready to talk about just about anything. So come prepared, and you'll have a great time. The Lester Spate Show, Saturdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back, and we are talking to Jocelyn Elise Crowley about her brand new book, Gray Divorce, What We Lose and Gain from Midlife Splits. And she's answering the question about what we should think about about this tidal wave of gray divorces. Now, just a little Hollywood stuff here. Actress Melanie Griffith, 58, divorced Antonia Banderas, 55, after two decades of marriage. Harrison Ford, 61, divorced Melissa Matheson, 53, after 20 years of marriage. And Mel Gibson, after 55, divorced his wife, Robin Moore, 55, and they had seven children and had been married for over three decades. So what's happening here is that after 20, 30, or even 40 years of marriage, countless vacations and raising well-adjusted children and sharing property and finances, things go wrong. And that's what my guest is talking about, Jocelyn Elise Crowley. Her book is Gray Divorce. She's a professor of public policy at Rutgers State University of New Jersey. Welcome back, Jocelyn. Thank you. All right. So do people after gray divorce want to remarry? Women and men, talk about that. You know, it's very, very interesting. Uh, The people I spoke with actually reflect the same differences that we see across the population among younger age groups. So there are sharp differences between men and women. So most commonly for men, um, they, the majority of men want to remarry and they want to remarry quickly. They talked to me a lot about the desire for companionship, um, that they believed that it was God's will that they should be with a partner. And again, that was so, so common. They all, you know, the biggest group said that. Uh, some men said, I'd only remarry if I found someone excellent who had a great character right. Um, right. who matched me. Um, and what, about the, pre-up, what about pre-ups, pre, prenuptials? Anybody um, talk about that? They didn't really talk about that. Um, you know, they didn't really talk about, oh, that would be a necessity. Um, And only the smallest number of men said, no, I would never remarry because I would never want to go through this emotional pain again. Um, The women were at the completely opposite end of the spectrum. Wow. Um, Most of the women said, 
absolutely not. I would never remarry. And when I asked them why, they said that they really enjoyed their financial independence, the ability to make decisions on their own. And they also said that they did not want to take care of any man going forward in their lives, Mm -hmm. whether if that man had some like health issues or other Mm -hmm. types of issues, they just didn't want to be in that position. Um, Mm -hmm. The second group of women said, that they would be willing to consider remarriage, but again, like the men, only if they found the exact, you know, exactly right, right person. And then right. only the smallest number of women were really, really optimistic and said, definitely, I want to remarry. This is for me. So this is, this is just a difference that we see across the population, and it's definitely mm-hmm. true among those who have experienced a great divorce as well. Men saying, yes, let's remarry, yeah. and women I, saying, no, uh, I'm out of here. Well, I think what's interesting of what you say is when the women said, I don't want to take care of someone. I mean, that's, that, that doesn't have to be, you know, they can find somebody they don't have to take care of. So they've already, it's already in their thinking pattern, Elise, that they have to take care of this person or that this person will in some way infringe on their financial independence. And neither of those have to happen. Right, right. So some of the women who actually said, uh, hey, you know, it's a possibility I could remarry. They actually defined the some of the circumstances around which they would remarry in exactly the way that you just pointed out. So they said, mm-hmm. if I remarry, we're going to have to totally, I would have to have a total renegotiation of who is working outside the home, who's doing the housework, who is doing the yard work. Who's, so my new marriage would not replicate the old patterns right. of what the men and the women did in this new marriage. Right. I want a complete renegotiation. All right, what else do you want to tell us? What else is very important that we know about gray divorce? So one of the things that I think um, is really, really important, uh, you know, for the project overall was that these men and these women did not take separating lightly. They took their, their marriage vow seriously, and only after severe stress did they decide to break up. Um, there was a downside to all of this, and the downside mm-hmm. was that men and women both talked about being very lonely after a great mm-hmm. divorce. Mm-hmm. And in addition, women talked about some of their financial problems. But on the upside, and this is what I really want to emphasize, they did, both men and women did talk about the opportunity to be free and to have independence at this stage mm-hmm. in their life. Um, mm-hmm. One man said to me, uh, now, for the rest of my life, no one can say to me, I don't want you to watch football all day on Sunday. I can do whatever I want to do. And another woman said, yes, I have freedom. I have independence to make all of these choices. I don't have to turn to somebody and say, if I buy these pillows or I buy these curtains, will they make you happy? Um, I can make those decisions on my own. So they talk yeah. a lot about freedom and independence yeah. and yeah. just the sense of positivity going mm-hmm. forward. So while there are definitely penalties that we talked about earlier, as well as loneliness, there is a lot of room for them to define themselves in new ways ways at age 50 and older. Jocelyn, do you think that the millennials, you know, the the 20-somethings, do you think it'll be different? Do you think they'll marry with different terms where they'll both be financially independent, where they'll both respect each other for where they are? Do you think the rules will change so that, that uh, early with our younger generation. 
You know, when, when some researchers have actually looked at this question, they find out that, you know, people in their 20s, um, men and women in their 20s, they say that they still would like to get married. So it's marriage is not necessarily going out of style. Right. And they say that they want equality in their marriages. They want equality in terms of taking care of kids and working outside the home. But oftentimes when they actually get married, those kinds of things go out the window and they often take on traditional roles. So, Interesting. Which can, of, of course, cause strain and then ultimately lead towards a divorce too. So I think mm. that there are a lot of interesting new intentions among the millennials about what they want out of marriages. Um, it's just ultimately seeing those things through, um, it, which is the mm-hmm. challenge for them. Mm-hmm. What would you like to leave our listeners with? What is the message? If, if people are contemplating a gray divorce, what would you say to them? I would say that, first of all, you know, I would try if both partners are willing to have to seek out marriage counseling because gray divorce is not without its penalties, economic for women and social for men. So seek out um, a marriage counselor. See if the marriage in some way can be saved and if it can, do your best to do so. But if not, then you need to go out um, out of your marriage and you need to be prepared. And for women, mostly that means getting your financial um, business in order, trying to do everything that you can to shore up your financial resources and make sure that ultimately you are able to retire um, comfortably in later life. And for men, it would be try your best to, to build up new new um, networks of support and friends who can sustain you through this difficult time. Mm, fabulous. Where? How can people find your book? Are you giving workshops or blogs? Uh, uh, tell um, us more. They can definitely find it. from. Um, it's on Amazon, um, and it's in softcover, hardcover, and Kindle form. It's also on Barnes & Noble, and it's also available at the University of California Press, which published the book. Okay. And what resources would you say to people? Definitely you said go for counseling. Yes, check your finances. I mean, yeah, I mean to try to prevent the divorce. I think in most cases unless there's some egregious form of behavior, go out and try to seek uh, counseling to 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 pr- try to prevent that. But again, you know, women, if there is a great divorce, women seeking out the advice of a financial advisor, a financial planner, who can get them on the right track as soon as possible to make sure that they're not living in a state of poverty or deprivation as they age. Um, that's something mm. that we really want to, to, to prevent. And, you know, we know that the average woman takes home $14,000 in Social Security uh, per year versus men taking home eighteen. So there is that gap, and women need to do everything that they can to build uh, up that gap. And mm-hmm. like I said, for men, it's counseling, but it's also seeking out support groups. There are divorce support groups that are only focused on men, and I would encourage them to go out and, and to talk to other men about their divorce experiences. When I spoke to a these men, uh, it was almost like I was the first person who had ever listened to them and their Mm -hmm. stories, and they were Mm -hmm. dying to tell me. So please, you know, for your own mental health and for your own growth and recovery out of this transition, seek out psychological Mm -hmm. support if you can. Seek out divorce support groups that are solely focused on men. I think that would be extraordinarily helpful. Thank you so much. The book is Great Divorce, What We Lose and Gain from Midlife Splits by Jocelyn Elise Crowley. And Jocelyn, what is the uh, website? 
Sure. So people can go to my website, which is jocelyncrowley.com, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-C-R-O-W-L-E-Y.com, and you can learn more about my book, how to buy it, as well as uh, other research that I've done on related topics. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the program, Thank Justin. you for it was having very me. Yeah, thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up the first segment of the Patricia Raskin Show right here on Voice America. America's Voice will be right back with our second program right after the break. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.